Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome back to The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And uh, we're back after a little bit of a uh, a vacation, a holiday, if you will. Uh, but we are from MindRobber.net, as always, the home site of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all of the things on podcasts. This one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who. And uh, our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about all of the things that aren't Doctor Who. And sometimes Doctor Who. Uh, if you like our shows, uh, you can review them on iTunes. Uh, quick shout out to Sunshininess24601 for leaving her great review. Uh, only reason I know it's a her is because uh, she follows us on Twitter. So that's how we know. Um, <laughs> if, and it's also, uh, I'll also point out the when I was when I was adding that she has a shout out to the shout outs. I was I was looking at the numbers. I'm like, that's a random assortment of numbers. And as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, that's why you have those numbers. So shun, sunshininess, I, I got your back. I know what you're talking about. What are those numbers? They're uh, Jean Valjean's numbers from Les Miserables. Oh, <laughs> nice. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or any other sort of cool thing you might feel like sharing, maybe, you can email those to podcast at mindrobber.net. Uh, but if you just want to start a general discussion, you're going to want to do that on the comments section to this episode to let everyone know what you're thinking, including us, and we'll comment back, and they'll comment back, and it'll be a comment party. Yeah. Matt, hello. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. How was your uh, Doctor Who vacation? It was, it was really nice. Uh, for those who haven't been keeping score at home, I haven't watched any Doctor Who since, like, uh, the thirtieth of December, so we're we're looking at almost three weeks to the day of me not <laughs> watching any Doctor Who um, or listening to any Doctor Who. I've read some things about it because I can't help myself, but this is my first foray back into Doctor Who. So like that's why, that's why when we were when Scott and I were playing this episode, it's like, do you want to do it like now? And I was like, and we were both like, nah, I'm I'm enjoying this like break. Um, <laughs> I call it I call it detox. I've been calling it detox because I've been doing like two episode two stories on average straight for the last two years so it's kind of nice and uh but we're back now with uh with the ambassadors of death which is a third doctor uh john pertwee story and uh uh, it's a good one it's a good one uh matt why don't you uh kick us off with the background significance of this one Yes, background and significance. Ambassadors of Death. It's the third story in the seventh season of uh, Doctor Who, the classic run that is. And it's interesting because this, uh, if you don't, if you haven't been keeping score at home, this is when Doctor Who undergoes a major paradigm shift. This is when the Doctor is uh, exiled to Earth and joins up with Unit. And so there are these four stories that open up the Unit years, and there's. 
you know, Spirit from Space, which is setting things up. There's the Silurians, which is the invasion of um, Old Earth onto New Earth. And then there's this, which is very... Like, it's a very traditional Invaders from Space story. It started... Uh, the production team asked David Whitaker to pitch them a story of first contact uh, uh, of humans and aliens. And what's interesting about it is he did that and he designed it as a Troughton story. And by the time that he got done designing it, <laughs> they'd, they'd hired Pertwee and they needed to do something new. So it got completely reformatted as a unit story. And, and then Whitaker started writing them and he got about three episodes in. And the production team was just like, no, 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 we can't do this this way. And Whitaker was like, what are you talking about? Um, Whitaker, I should point out, in case you, I haven't talked about him lately, um, was the first ever script editor for Doctor Who. He's also the guy who kind of created the TARDIS um, and did the best Dalek stories of all time. So he, I, he's a genius. Um, he's, he's one of the best Doctor Who story writers ever. Um, and this is his last story. And as he was working on it, the production team was like, this is not what we want. And Terrence Dix was like, I need something that's slightly different. And he tasked uh, – Terrence Dix, the script editor, tasked his assistant, Trevor Ray, to rewrite the first episode to give them an, give Whitaker an idea of what they wanted. They weren't able to write it anymore. And then Whitaker was just like, you know what? F this. I'm going to Australia. Do what you want. And Terrence Dix, wanting to salvage it, hires Malcolm Hulk, who did the Silurians before he did this, uh, to rewrite episodes two and three, and then completely write episodes four, five, six, and seven. Um, <laughs> so they're really like Malcolm Hulk written episodes from a David Whitaker outline idea concept. Um, and the rest is history. Um, it's directed by Michael Ferguson, who directed a couple of other stories, but I don't have them in front of me right now, so I apologize. Um, but it's... Uh, I don't know. I I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that this is my favorite uh, John Pertwee story. Uh, with without contest, I don't think that there's anything better. <laughs> I I mean I don't I don't I I haven't seen them all yet, but uh, this is definitely um, this is definitely front runner at the yeah. moment. So. Well, it, it's funny because it's basically everything you'd want out of a John Pertwee story, and it's yeah. It's also the forgotten story of the season. It's buried by the Silurians, which are recurring villains, so they show up a lot, spearhead from space, because it's shorter and it's got a regeneration, and Inferno, because Inferno has a an alternate universe component to it. This I find that this story gets forgotten for a couple of reasons. One, it wasn't colorized until very recently. It was wiped by the archives, but saved as like black and white. So episode mm-hmm. one exists in color, and then I think... Episodes two, three, four, six, and seven were all in uh, were partially in black and white, and then episode five only existed in black and white. So they went back, recolored it, and released it on DVD in full color. So this is like a story that is just now people are able to appreciate as it was, um, much in the way that discovering old episodes that were missing allows you to discover things as they as they were. Um, so it's often forgotten, and every time I watch it, I'm just like, how the hell do people forget this story? Because it's so good um it's just ridiculously good um and that's the background and significance um i I also mentioned really quickly it's got another a couple of other really cool doctor who actors including jeffrey beavers who played the master and keeper of trocken and michael wisher who plays the um the what's it called the the newscaster he played davros in uh the, the destiny of the daleks so it's huh. 
it's got a lot of like old Doctor Who uh, people. So who did who did uh, who did Jeffrey Beavers play? Private Johnson. Who's Private Johnson? He was one of the dudes um, who worked for Unit. I think. I oh, can't. Okay. I can't notice him. But it's weird because Jeffrey Beavers is married to Caroline John, or at least he was. Because oh. Caroline John passed away, but they were they were like a couple until she passed away last year. So, oh. like, yeah. So interesting, interesting. Yeah. Before we continue, this is a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase uh, any paperback, hardcover, omnibus, or absolute edition uh, collection of, of, you know, comics at 35 to 45% off, uh, plus new release specials at 50% off uh, every week. So uh, keep checking in every Wednesday to see what the new specials are. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping, so thanks to InStockTrades.com. All right, so uh, the Ambassadors of Death, um, I guess for a quick rundown, because it is fairly it, – I mean it just it was just released on DVD like – A couple uh, months ago. Yeah, at most. So it's not one that um, uh, many of our listeners have probably seen. Um I would, I would imagine. So just as a quick rundown, basically what happens is we come into the story. There's two astronauts who are up in this ship. They went to Mars and they're, they're up in this ship and they're trying to bring them home, but they're not responding. So they have sent another guy up to go up and rescue them and see what's going on. So he goes up to go rescue him and then something else goes wrong and they, and they lose contact with him. So then they're like trying to figure figure out what the deal with that is and there's like a there's a message going on like a message being sent and they're trying to figure out what the message is and then there's a response that gets sent out and uh, only the only the doctor realizes that it's actually a response so there's someone on the planet responding to this message that was sent out um and uh you uh uh, basically the the ship comes home and they think they've saved their astronauts they're in their astronaut gear or whatever uh and then you find out that the three astronauts that came back are actually uh alien ambassadors and their astronauts are 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 stuck in the alien ship up in space and uh Pertwee has to go uh, go tries to go save them he like he like mans uh mans a, a rocket to go save them um, and they're uh, they're just sort of in a waiting room watching a football game, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 they don't really believe what's happening. Like they just think they're on Earth and in quarantine or whatever. Um, so then the doctor comes back, and there's like this other group that uh, is. Uh, there, there's there's like a group that that wants the wants to take control of the aliens to like do like bank robberies and stuff. <laughs> um, and and then there's this other guy who's been behind the whole thing. He was an astronaut that went to Mars, and one of these aliens, uh, if they touch a human, they kill the human. They don't know that though. They're like innocent. They did. I mean, you know, they just touched the guy and he died. And this guy has been had this thing brewing in the back of his head this whole his whole life waiting to get revenge on these aliens uh for killing all of his astronaut buddies and so it's sort of like a story about like fear and hate and all of this and it's really really excellent and it's also not at all not at all reminiscent of a certain Stephen Moffat story um <laughs> 
with astronauts and uh yeah um which which astronauts i'm sorry there were like two examples of astronauts so yeah well the ones that you can't see their face and they walk around all creepily um so are we talking about the impossible astronaut are we talking about silence in the library i don't know i'm thinking silence of the library more than impossible astronaut okay because there was also impossible astronaut anyways i guess that's true yeah yeah i forget about that um but yeah, so I mean that's basically it. I you know obviously the doctor saves the day, yada yada. There's also a lot more like subplots, and it's one big oh, yeah. cons- like <laughs> it's like a three hour conspiracy thriller, like old school seventies yeah. spy thriller, um, mm-hmm. but with you know alien astronauts. Um, but that's the that's the really Cliff Notes version. Um, if you haven't seen this, you should. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's 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 excellent. And it's uh, it's really long. It's seven parts, um, so it's seven episodes long. Uh, but if you, if you, I bet if you watch this like an episode a day for a week, like I, that'd be really satisfying. Oh, um, oh, and good luck stopping after episode two. That's all I'm well, saying. Well, well, good luck stopping after episode one. Like I, I, I mean, it, it you know it has nothing to do with the cliffhanger per se, but there's like a crazy gunfight in episode one. Um, <laughs> I mean. I I gotta give it to uh, I gotta hand it to Michael Ferguson. I wish you could find out what other stories he directed because he directed uh, the heck out of this. Like uh, I was I was continually impressed by his direction throughout mm-hmm. this. Um, just really interesting camera choices, and he shoots all the gunfights like a spaghetti western. Mm-hmm. Like it's really good. He yeah. he was a really good director. The scene where um, the brigadier is looking at the evil henchmen and they're, like, standing off against each other is amazing. Um, yeah. No, that's really great. And then when they're driving up to the um, – when – when uh, <laughs> one of the best moments when – I think it's in – I think it's in – it's either in episode six or seven when uh, when Briggs and, uh, and, and some of the guys are just like, we got to get out of here. We don't have a car. And he's like, there's got to be a car somewhere. And he's like, well, there's the doctor's car. And then they're all like – just smash cut to <laughs> just smash cut to them like driving in it looks like a cartoon with just like 10 people stuffed into bessie and guns pointed out the sides so like, awesome yeah that's but, episode but, that's episode seven which is just okay. like yeah no no the best thing about but they, but, no what i was is, gonna say is but then they pull up to the they pull up to the to the guy like and as they pull up to him they pull up to him and it's a shot out the window as they pull up to to him, and so like the car pulls up to the guy standing outside into a close up. Like that was nuts. Yeah, yeah, that was a nuts. Shot. I was watching that. I was like, oh god, I love that. That was great. <laughs> it was great. All right. Anyway, yeah. what were you gonna say? Uh, I was gonna say that the Michael Ferguson directed three other Doctor Who stories. He directed the War Machines. Um, oh, that little ditty. Okay. Yeah, that that lovely piece of uh, something. Um, <laughs> The Seeds of Death, uh, which we're watching actually very soon, um, and the Claws of Axos, um, which I don't I don't fault him for Axos. Axos is more of a Baker Martin problem than it is a Ferguson problem. I thought the yeah. direction on Axos was great. Um, I don't remember it so much, but that's mostly because of the story. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm looking forward to uh, Seeds of Death. Then that's yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's really really good. Uh, there's also this really cool effect in episode one where they're trying to, uh, you know, on a Doctor Who budget, uh, recreate uh, non gravity, which they mm-hmm. just do by playing it in, in super slow motion. 
which is so great. Like I was watching that, and I was like, "Good for them." <laughs> That's really clever. Yes, yes. Uh, I was like, "This doesn't look anything like non-gravity," but hey, you know, if I squint, it kind of does. Yeah, in, ni- in the nineteen seventies, it was probably a little bit more believable than it is now. Uh- yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm so glad you liked it. I knew you would because it's just everything that you could possibly want out of a Pertwee story in general. Um, it's just – it's <laughs> it's really one of those things where it's so good. It's almost like why bother doing another unit story? Like why bother? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> they peak three stories in and then they go for another 20, um, <laughs> which is just so hilarious. Um, but yeah, no uh, – I, I agree, and I think that um, the the way he shoots it, like Ferguson in particular, like does a really good job. And I was I watched the making of, which I told you you didn't have to watch because it's basically just about twenty minutes on how they did all the stunt work. Um, and oh yay, <laughs> yeah. So that wonderful thing. Um, and what Ferguson is talking about is how he brought in the musical sting. Like he was big on um on the the shh, that that um that closes out episodes you know it if you've seen any doctor who story where it just does this sound um so he was big on that and uh that makes the it makes the cliffhangers really exciting um and he was also like so into the music that he would do uh teasers really because it starts with the credits love the teasers yes love them Mm -hmm. like it's so uh, like it's so like the first time it happens in the first episode where uh, the astronaut is just like, uh, what is the guy? The guy is just like, uh, the guy. Guy says like, so, someone's uh, so, like, someone's doing something. I forget what they what what was happening in that moment, but like, either like someone was behind the door or something like that. The guy on the other end says like, you know, at like Houston, you know, air quotes Houston control says someone's on the other side of that, and then or, and then the astronaut goes or something, and then it's like. Smash cut death ambassadors, ambassadors of death of death. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the thing I knew you would like is that that of death, it's not something like it's something that's never happened since. Um, but you watch it and it just goes of death, and you're just like, oh, it just feels like a like a seventies B movie. Like it's just so Oh, oh I so, love it. Yeah, so cool. It's so awesome. Um <sighs> And it's uh, – it, the first time it happened, it made me laugh and I, with glee. Like, it was so wonderful. And it stays for all seven episodes. And then it also mm-hmm. – it allows you to get back into the rhythm of the cliffhanger, which – like, why this didn't become a thing is confusing to me. Just because when you come back into a Doctor Who story, they just go part three and then they pick it up from where it left off and then they continue with the cliffhanger. Like – uh, the key cliffhanger to this story, as far as I'm concerned, is episode two, which I think is just a mind-blowingly good cliffhanger. Um, mm. And every time I watch it, it gets me. And it's all because of the editing and the way that Ferguson calls the shots. Like, it's so oh, yeah. jarring to see. And it got me the first... And it's, it's totally, it's totally Stephen Moffat 40 years before Stephen Moffat. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's... Just the the repeat the repetition of like you know like the recording and everything. Yes. Oh my god! Yeah. I was like I was like wow yeah. wow and wow it, and it takes you like a yeah it it, it really is inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, I because I hadn't thought of that before. Um. Anyways, the. <laughs> 
the you watch it and it's cutting really quickly between all the different characters and then when the doctor says right cut it open you smash cut to credits on the cliffhanger just like ah oh, crap like it's just you're oh just yeah like, i can't believe it and then when you watch it the second time and they show the same scene again and he says right cut it open and then it cuts to ambassadors of death part three you're just like ah oh, here we go because it gets you both times um, yeah, because they don't waste any time with right, cut it open. Like he says, right, cut it open, and then the music stings right there. Um, it's so it's so good. It's one of my favorite part with cliffhangers, honestly. Um, it's excellent. Yeah, and, and it's, it's yeah, it's so good, <laughs> so good. And, and and it's not like the other cliffhangers aren't very good. Like the one of the doctor lying over the guy while the astronaut creeps up behind him is ridiculously iconic. Um, and so is the reveal of Carrington at the end, and the shot of the gun is just really stunning. Um, uh-huh. All of them are really good, but episode two, I just you have to shout it out because it's such a ridiculously well put together moment, um, and it's total oh, Ferguson, yeah. and it's not anyone else doing anything. Like you, could, you know how it was written, but Ferguson infuses so much energy and life into it that it's just. It just makes you want the next episode so bad. That's the thing about this is like this this story for being seven episodes is so full. Like yes. it's just bubbling over with stuff mm-hmm. and it has like just this pregnant pace. Like it's the 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 the, the pace on this is just so good. The pacing is excellent. Mm-hmm. That's it's, a, it's so nonstop. Yeah, that's a that's a Hulk thing, um, a Malcolm Hulk thing, um, and clearly like not that Whitaker doesn't do it well because Whitaker wrote Power of the Daleks and Power of the Daleks is a breakneck pace too. Um, Hulk also did Silurians, and if you remember when we talked Silurians, which was you know two years ago at this point, um, yeah. Silurians. You just like you don't feel that it's seven episodes when you're watching it because it's so meticulous. Oh my god, that is seven episodes. Yeah, what? yeah, it's meticulously laid out. And 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 Hulk was also responsible for the war games and look at how that turned out. That was ten episodes. Um, the problem with Hulk is if Hulk doesn't have a good enough idea to sustain his structure, then it kind of falls apart, which is what happens in Colony in Space, if you ask me. But looking at this, it's Hulk building off of a bunch of ideas from David Whitaker, and every every episode has a major set piece, every episode has a progression of the storyline, it has like narrative dead ends, like Liz escaping, I think, in episode four. Um, she literally runs out, hits the street, and is brought right back inside. Um, uh-huh. But other than that, like it, it just keeps moving, and it just it it always keeps moving in a, in a good direction. Like when the Doctor goes into space, like that should spell narrative death for this story, um, because he's leaving the, the narrative in, in essence, because it is a story about um, a bunch of people on Earth. Uh, he leaves the narrative, and yet when he goes to space for episodes five and half, the first half of six, like you don't feel it. It just feels really exciting and really daring and 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 fun and it just rocket like it just rockets by you just you can't stop it it's just like candy and i love malcolm hulk for the way that he puts stories together um you'll see it when we do uh what's 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 the good example uh invasion of the dinosaurs invasion of the dinosaurs that's the same thing uh and i so it's yeah it's so how many parts is invasion of dinosaurs six malcolm hulk never writes a story that's less than six episodes oh yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> Which, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it's his thing. He did uh, like his shortest are six, and then he does two seven part episodes and a ten part episode. Like that's what's it, the ten parter? War games. He co-wrote War Games. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, which which explains why when you watch War Games, it's just ridiculously well structured. That's a Hulk thing. Um, 
Man, Hulk yeah. is good. He's really good. And we have like four more of his stories to go on this podcast. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's he's really great. Um and I that's I mean that's what I love about this. And like looking at the the set pieces like yes, the the set piece in the first episode is probably the best unit action set piece ever. Um because it's just the warehouse sequence is just so ridiculous. Like the brigadier is standing in a circle and shooting in four directions and hitting four people. It's just insane. But then you get like the theft of the space capsule in episode two. You get uh, Liz Shaw being chased down by by those guys. You get the astronaut breaking in and stealing whatever he's stealing. Uh, <laughs> and then. <laughs> Of course, the ridiculously good climax, which we'll have to talk about, because I think that this is my favorite ending of any Doctor of any Pertwee Doctor Who story. Um, but yeah, like Ferguson and Hulk and Whitaker, like it's just a perfect mesh of three things that just come together and really complement themselves. Um, and I, I love it. I love it so much. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it's just it's such a good example of a unit story that yes, I, I mean. It's just it's unfortunate that they they tapped out this early, um, <laughs> but it's it's a great unit story. Yes, it's yes. a great unit story. I love it, mm-hmm. and it's and it's interesting because when you look at it, like part of the unit, uh, con- like not contrast, the economy, I suppose, is that. The, the doctor is working with the military, which, if you think about the doctor as this, you know, anti-establishment figure, shouldn't really work. He's on edge with the military at this point. Like you can see him slowly warming back up to the brigadier, but they mention at the first in the first episode that the doctor's still really bitter that the brigadier just committed genocide against the Silurians at the end of the mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of Silurians. Um and that relationship ends up like shaping the whole story and how th- mm-hmm. the doctor and the brigadier have to kind of reconcile with each other. The doctor breaks into um the space control and he's uh, just kicking everyone around and saying, you know, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. And then all of a sudden <laughs> you get episode five and there's this beautiful scene where the brigadier comes to wish the doctor goodbye. And uh, it's a great scene, but what's also stunning about it is then you realize that the brigadier wanting to say goodbye to the doctor also resulted in Lennox's death um, because he had to take care of that. And it's like, I don't know, it's just really kind of beautiful and ends really, really well. Um it also has unit getting in Bessie, which is like, it's just, I don't know. When you see it, you're just like, why did I never think of that before? Like, it just, it only makes sense for that to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God. Totally. It's really good is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I will. I will continue if you like. Um, uh, let's talk about the music because this was something that oh, I wasn't expecting. The music was so good. <laughs> I I want this soundtrack. I want I want this soundtrack. Like there's that one moment um in episode 1 where there is it episode 1 or episode 2? I think it's episode 2. Uh where they're where they're like driving the uh the the space capsule like like through the bridge and and everything and then they get they get uh attacked and and hijacked or whatever mm-hmm. out on the field but before like on their way out to that set piece uh there's music playing and that's when I sent you the text where I was just like I want the soundtrack mm-hmm. uh cuz it it reminded me of a Wes Anderson movie <laughs> <laughs> like it was just so like happy-go-lucky adventure 
Um, yes. and, and a little, a little medieval. Uh, <laughs> it's a magical. It is. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it was, uh, it's glorious. The music yes. in this is uh, some of, some of my favorite music in any classic who yeah, I think without a doubt. And it's, it's interesting because it is such like a, a, a contrast with what you'd expect it to be. Like it's a, it's a seventies spy thriller and some of the music sounds like elevator music. Um, oh. <laughs> so great it's it's really great and then if and then when you get to the stuff where it's where they talk about the ambassadors themselves and it is like this chimey ethereal music it still sounds really really good um and that's i mean it's dudley simpson who is the i think he did like half of the music for the classic series um which is is ridiculous um wow yeah no dudley simpson he also he did like if you look at any fourth doctor story he did just about all the fourth doctor stories he was sacked by john nathan turner because nathan turner was like i want i want to go in a different direction but dudley simpson did mistake (laughs) i don't know i don't fault him for it i think that they needed to make the change but dudley simpson it goes back to planet of the planet of giants and which is a hartnell story and then is basically the de facto uh, Doctor Who music person from basically the war games, or really, no, I'm looking at it right now, from Seeds of Death, which is about halfway through season six, all the way through the end of the Graham Williams era, um, which is wow. insane. Um, and he didn't always use live orchestra, he sometimes sampled and inserted music, but his, like, his breadth of work is unmistakably great. Um, he, and he's even in, he's in Talons of Wang Chiang. Like he's the compose, he's the conductor of the orchestra in, uh, Lee Sun Chang's, uh, oh. theater. Yeah. He's that guy. Like they put him in the story because he's done such good work. Um, but that's, I mean, he's just a legend. Like he's a legend amidst the, the Doctor Who offices in the classic series. Um, and hmm. I don't know. I don't always talk about the music. I don't always pay attention to it. But this is one that just you have to talk about it. Like you just have to because it's so unique. Um, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And it's great. And it's weird that it's the same guy that has done it all along because it's like, what, what was going on with him? Like when he was making this, yeah. uh, because it's so different. Yeah. Like he just, I, I wish he. Uh, I wish he would be he had been that into uh the stories yeah. um as he is apparently in this one yeah. cuz it's just so weird yeah. uh and awesome. Yeah, I'm looking at the ones that he did and it's uh Time Warrior, Three Doctors, Robot, Ark in Space, Spearhead from Space, Colony in Space, Demons, Day of the Daleks, Curse of Peladon, Time Monster, Frontier in Space, Planet of the Daleks, Ark in Space. Basically, so a lot is what you're saying. Yeah, basically, if if um if he if if Hinchcliffe Holmes did this did a story, he was the guy for them. Um, he did he did he, I, I, he did every he did just about every Tom Baker story up to Horns of Nyman, which is insane. Um, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous, and it's something that I always try to pay more attention to the music. But unless the music is really outstanding, I won't notice it. Um, because it's not necessarily always memorable, but Ambassadors is one of those rare examples that's really, really great. Um, so uh, let's talk about the astronauts, I think, because the astronauts are, I mean, yes, they're big on Stephen Moffat iconography, but what makes them really interesting, I think, for me is you think of them as bad guys, and then you find out in episode six, they're just like, they're slaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's such a great twist. Um 
I don't know. Uh, uh, thoughts on the astronauts at all? Some maybe. Uh, I I mean I love them. Um, I just think it's just it's weird watching this after seeing uh, Science of the Library and uh, and uh, the other one. Impossible astronaut. Um, yes. Yeah, impossible astronaut. It's 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 weird watching it after those, after having seen those, because I look at it and I'm just like, oh man, it's so iconic. Um, and then I'm like, well, am I only thinking that because I'm used to the uh, the other ones being iconic or or what? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's great. My one uh, my one thing, and this is more of a. This is more of a uh, – usually I can look past budgetary restraints on uh, on Doctor Who. Sometimes it bugs me <laughs> a little more than others. And and a good example of that is with the astronauts because uh, they're wearing like a one-piece suit with like a – with like a – like a, a belt thing with like these little boxes on it and then like tubes. Um, and it's like – it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Except – the only problem with it is that they're also wearing like gardening gloves and gardening boots. <laughs> Somehow I just don't see that as being space safe and I couldn't I couldn't look past it. I just couldn't. Yeah, it was like every time they walked and their their boots like wobbled back and forth on their legs. I'm just like that is not airtight. <laughs> Those are not airtight. That's not a vacuum not. seal, I'm pretty sure. I'm like, yeah, that is not a vacuum seal. Yeah. No, I I, th- I thought the same. And it's, I mean, it, it is that sort of thing that you can have to look over. But every time that you just look at something and you're just like, that's not, that's not how, like, spacesuits work on anything <laughs> that is, you know, a, a fictionalization of, of spacesuiting. Um, it, it just, it just makes me laugh. Like, in um, it just reminds me of this Simpsons episode I saw one time where they, they were showing this old school science fiction story and the air started running out. And so they're like, get your, get your masks on. And they all grab space goggles, like, you know, uh, swim goggles. And they just put them over <laughs> their face and they start breathing normally. And there's no anything that covers their nose or mouth. It's just like eye things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's always stuck with me, and that whenever I think of like stuff that wouldn't work in space, I'm always reminded of that moment because it's just so iconic to me. Uh. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're you're right about the iconography, and it's one of those things where Doctor Who does a great job of scaring kids, and this. I mean, the I, the ro- the astronauts are terrifying. You don't see their faces ever. And when you do, Ferguson does a ridiculously good job of making them terrifying. When you see them, uh-huh. their, their blue faces all warped and disfigured and uh, grotesque. Looks like uh, the result of, like, lots and lots of, of radioactive... Radioactivity? Being around radioactive yes. material. Yeah. yeah. It looks like yeah. their face... Exposure. Mm-hmm. No, That's exposure. it. Radioactive yes. exposure. And it looks like their faces uh, are melting. Like it's, and it's done... Yeah. He, the way that he cross-cuts it, because like, you're looking at Liz and then you're looking at oh, that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so jarring and it's so effective. Um, but it's... I mean, it's... They're, they're just great. I, I think that if I had to pick a favorite shot out of this whole story, it's the the one that's looking at the sun and the ast- the astronaut walking down the street... Um, because it's so beautiful. Like it's just, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So so ridiculous. And the guy who's just like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And the astronaut just walks up and breaks into the place and robs the place. is really really stunning. Um, 
I think oh, there's just it's just such a great job. Also, really quickly, want to mention there's a ridiculous bomb sequence in this, and I have first a couple things. One, I have no idea how the doctor walked out of that room with a scratch on his face. Um, because <laughs> the bomb, he's literally about five feet away from the bomb when it goes off. <laughs> but I, I, I do, I, lo- I, 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 I. Uh, when I saw, like, he just had a Band-Aid on his face, I was like, wow. <laughs> oh, that Time Lord healing. F- Did he hide behind something really yeah. quickly or what? And it's funny because when you look around at the rest of the room, like, the room is just trashed. Like, it's just... It's yeah. just the whole room's beat to hell. And the doctor's just walking around like, yeah, I did this. But uh, along with the editing thing, the the shot where Tatalian opens up the, the, the suitcase bomb and the bomb goes off is so messed up. Like, it's just effed up. Yeah. Like, you're just watching it just like, wow, that was dark. And then they cut away really quickly. Like, it's just, yeah. oh, it's oh, such a good, such a good, such a good job. Um. Uh, so there's that. And then I guess the one thing I had left to mention, besides the fact that, well, two things, because they lead into the other. For a story that's seven episodes, if you're doing a story that's about three hours long, there's no reason for your last episode to be this climactically wonderful. Um, <laughs> it is <laughs> watching all the pieces come together, watching Carrington prep the astronaut to kill someone on camera watching unit come to the doctor's rescue watching the doctor call unit to the rescue and then watching the final raid on the compound as the doctor swoops in with unit to declare victory i suppose Uh, it's an amazing ending and then for them to stick the landing where the doctor's just like well i've done what i can enjoy first contact and just walks out of there (laughs) is my favorite thing um oh it's great Oh, it's so perfect. It's so ridiculously perfect. And it's a it's just a deep seated understanding of the doctor, I think, and Mm -hmm. knowing what he would and would not do in a situation like it's hard. I mean, it's for one thing, it's hard to imagine Matt Smith doing something this good or even David Tennant for that matter. But I love that John Pertwee, whose doctor is kind of an egomaniac, like in a fun way, um, uh, just walking well, his – I mean, I would argue that Pertwee is sort of like the antithesis doctor. Yeah. Like, there yeah, is yeah. no other doctor like his. He's mm-hmm. he's really on his own. And maybe some people would argue um, Colin Baker. But if you look past the episodes, like the actual uh, filmed episodes that exist and go to Big Finish, he's not any different than any other doctor. I mean, he has his own spin, but he's still – very quintessentially the doctor Pertwee is the one that that really sticks out like a sore thumb mm-hmm. to the point where he's very uh uh either you love him and you get it or you're just like that's not the doctor and i refuse to accept this as doctor who mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so so it's He's very antithesis, but I I love him for that. He's one of my favorite doctors because he's just so different from all of the others. Yeah, really unique, really really yeah. unique. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's just it just it just like he just makes it work. Like he makes all of the moments work in 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 its own way. Like no one else could do. First of all, no doctor is classier than than the third doctor. Um, it's just it's never going to happen because the. And this happened too. I don't know if you remember this, but the stuff with the time travel in episodes like one and two oh, I love that. are just 
<laughs> so so funny watching the doctor like play like this farce game with with Liz Shaw as he sends her like ten seconds in the future and then five seconds in the future is amazing. And then watching him have the 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 tape disappear and then reappear like he's a magician is just it's the stuff. Like it's it's why you watch the third Doctor era because no no other Doctor could pull that off, um, uh, or at least nearly as well as Pertwee does, and it, he's just amazing. And that's like I mean that that's the other thing I want to talk about is just like I mean all the moments he has in the story. Um, it's really his story more than it is just about anyone mm-hmm. else. And I mean it's everything from the time travel stuff to him tricking the people who are on the who are stealing the space capsule to touch his car so that the car, so that Bessie will will hold them <laughs> like like he's just so he's just so he's just got it at every at every good moment also he, he wears a robe at one point what's not to love i mean facts he's, he's, facts yeah 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 no it's it's great it's great, and I'm I'm excited. Yeah. The next uh, the next Pertwee story we're doing in about seven weeks is the Demon. So, oh snap, yeah. yo! I'm excited to watch. Yeah, that if one. there's a, if there's a story you're going to love more than this one, it might be the Demons. <laughs> there's there's like a handful of stories that you might like more. The Demons is just like the quintessential Pertwee master story, mm. as far as I'm awesome. concerned. Awesome, yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, before we wrap it up, I want to remind you that uh, today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS, the site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you can get from a local comic book shop, you can pre-order from DCBService.com. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off, regular discounts of 40% off, ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay six ninety five in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Next week, uh, we, uh, we, we look at a 10th Doctor story, uh, a little one called The Lazarus Experiment, um, which is one that, when it aired, I really didn't like at all. So we'll see how it plays uh, now, revisiting it. Have you watched it nope. since then? Interesting. Nope. Interesting. Uh, it's one I usually skip because I just don't – I haven't – I've never really cared to revisit it. So we'll see how this goes. Um, this yeah. will either be the last time I ever watch it uh, or I'll find something that I like out of it. I don't know. We'll see. I, th- I think it's interesting because I'm much the same as you when I watched the first time. I was like, yeah, whatever. And then when I've gone and rewatched the show, I find that I like it more. <laughs> but – We'll talk about what doesn't doesn't work next week, and I think it'll be a really interesting conversation, regardless of whether you like it or not. Yeah. Um, I think there's just there's a lot to talk about, and that's what be really fair cool. enough. Fair enough. So next week, uh, the Lazarus experiment. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm twitter.com/slash Scott Corelli or twitter.com/slash Scott Commentary, where I live tweet things from time to time, uh, such as the Golden Globes. Uh, that was a thing I did. Uh, and uh, other things that I'll live tweet every once in a while. Um, uh, and then also make sure that you are listening to The Mind Robbers, which is our flagship podcast. You've got to like things that aren't Doctor Who. I mean, you're not one of those obsessed people. that That's all you live and breathe. And everything that you do is Doctor Who related, is it? Is it? I don't think it is. So 
Why aren't you listening to our other show is what I'm asking you. Uh, check out the Mind Robbers. It's on the same uh, same website, mindrobber.net. It's our flagship show. We talk about all, all kinds of things. Our last episode was our uh, year-end special. Uh, where we talked about the best uh, our 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 votes our votes for our favorite films of 2012 our top 10 lists so uh, check that out check that out and and we'll have another episode a new episode up shortly after this one um, yes Matt where can people find you you can find me on Twitter twitter.com slash gungadin also my alternate Twitter account twitter.com slash gd commentary where I don't live tweet the Golden Globes because. That's not the account I live tweeted them from. Um, <laughs> For more information, go to the Mind Robbers. <laughs> yes, or something like that. Um, uh, or Twitter.com slash Golden Globes. Why not? Um, the <laughs> eh, don't go there now. I don't. I don't get paid for it now. Um, the uh, yeah. So that um, you can also check out my thoughts. And other people's thoughts on uh, all the Doctor Who classic stories on classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com. Because guess what, guys? I finished. I finished it. It's done. There's an afterword that's up. So if you want to see what it meant to me, go read the afterword. Uh, apparently it meant a lot of things. Um, uh, classicalgallifrey.com, it's, it's where I put all of, uh, all of my Doctor Who thoughts. And I'm remarkably proud of it. And it's done. More or less, uh, one day I hope to put something out else that's not that, um, like a book or something, but not now, because um, <laughs> I planned I planned it poorly. I hit 2013, and I have no Doctor Who to blog about, um, which <laughs> it, it, it works for me. Um, no, it works because it just means that you get to enjoy this year as a fan, and that's it. Yes, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, oh, see. I'm also also pimp because I haven't pimped it in a while. There's a book that's out now called Outside In. It's edited by Robert Smith, question mark. Um, and I'm in the book. Uh, it's, I did an entry on the King's Demons. Um, and I, I mentioned this because I got my copy. And when I was reading – when I, when I was pimping this earlier, I said, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you're going to like this book. Um, I started reading it and I'm blown away by the creativity and – things that people have like are saying in the book like the 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 marco polo entry made me laugh like a bandit um it's about how the bad guy in marco polo is a rubbish villain um it's it's really really funny done as as diary entries from him um yeah it it was really 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 excellent um because tigana is a i love marco polo but tigana is such a laughable like mustache twirler um if you like Doctor Who, if you like class- the classic series, if you want to hear what people have to say about these stories, they're, they're all very creative entries. There's entries that are imagine- imagining what a writer said to a script editor. There's writings about um, just basic deconstructions of stories. There's just really, really, really creative stuff, and I'm really blown away by it. And I'm really proud to have been a part of it. Um, it's called the Outside. In- it's called Outside In, um, edited by Robert Smith. You can find it online. And it's really great, and I'm pimping it because, well, just know that I don't get paid for it um, because there's just too many people going on it. It benefits AIDS research or something really cool. Um, so, so check that out. Uh, also on deck for The Doctor's Companion in case you like knowing what's coming up next. Next week, like Scott said, we're watching The Lazarus Experiment. And then the week after that, we're talking about the first Doctor story, The Romans, which is wonderful. Uh, the fifth Doctor story, Time Flight, which is not 
not uh the leisure <laughs> hive which is not and then the shakespeare code which i think is a wonderful time so yeah. things to look forward to um and, and, and the doctor's companion it's good to be back yeah. it's good to be back and, and eventually uh sometime in april we'll have new who to talk about so yeah i'm eight still new who episodes right yeah eight? i'm i'm still i'm still betting it's going to be the first weekend of april hold me to it bbc um <laughs> fair enough yeah i hope it is too yeah 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 uh. Yeah, uh, that's that means it's only uh, two and a half months away. It's not that bad. That's eh, not that bad. That's not that bad. <laughs> Which means uh, if that's the case, then we will be going out on Seeds of Death, or so. That's about what I was figuring it out. Like yeah. Seeds of Death or Robots of Death, somewhere in there. Yeah, right, we'll get through Dalek at the very least. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you next week with Lazarus Experiment. Bye. Bye.